I'm your host, Adam P. Kennedy. Welcome to America's Place in the World, featuring retired four-star United States Marine Corps General and former U.S. Special Envoy to Israel and the Palestinian Authority, Tony Zinni. We're looking at the world and America's place in it. On this episode, part two of Around the World, talking Mexico and Canada. It's coming up right now. So when we look at when we look at Mexico, how dangerous is is, is Mexico in in terms of its relationship with us? I think Mexico is in danger of becoming a narco state. I mean, we should pay attention to what happened when you know the Mexican police arrested that son of the of Al Chapo and, mm-hmm. and that gun battle in the streets, and and actually the Mexican police and military lost and had to release the kid, release the son. The killing of those uh, Americans that settled there, the, the the Mormons, right on our border, that's dangerous. I mean, look, I'm all for humane treatment of people that you know immigrants and the way we we treat them and everything. We had to be, we had to understand that we can't import problems. You know, we can't import from that region, and that instability on our immediate border is dangerous. I mean, it's very dangerous to us. If they set up business in the United States, and I'm sure they already have tentacles in through some of the gangs and all, and, and the cartel influence, it's it's going to be a major security problem for us. Did you see that? Uh, it was a fascinating article about in the New York Times last week about the the cartel's influence now in the avocado industry. Did you see that? Yeah. It's uh, it's mind-boggling and they were just talking about their influence in in everyday life in in large parts of mexico i mean just uh I, you extortion know, and bribery it and, used to be you said well that happens in certain parts of mexico but you still can go to the tourist areas you know you still can go to acapulco and puerto Vallarta, down along the baja and all i wouldn't go to any of those places i mean <laughs> It, I, I crossed the border into uh, Juarez, and holy shit! Was, I walked those streets. I said, "Oh, I'm getting out of here!" You know? and, <laughs> and the killings and everything that take place, and the, the gangs. I mean, they they got to make a decision. They're going to get control of their country and take it away from these cartels. I don't know how they're going to do that. How did this happen in Mexico? I mean, how, how did it become so bad, and that the cartels became so powerful? How did that develop? Well, I mean, you always you always judge stability by the number of stable institutions. So, is the government stable? Is it clean, non-corrupt? Are their security forces non-corrupt? Are they viable, non-corrupt? Do they have powerful police, military that aren't infiltrated or you know will fight? Do they have a sense of patriotism and and, and a sense of nationalism? Uh, about their country, then you got to look at their economic system, their economic institutions. Are they strong enough? I mean, if you're, uh, who's the Colombian guy with the donkey and the coffee beans? Am I going to grow coffee or uh, coca? You know, what are they going to do? Which is going to be more, our skirts aren't cleaning this because the demand is here. Right. So, you know, we're, we're responsible for the demand. And, 
you mix all that together. I, I, I remember listening to a guy who made a fortune advising banks on uh, where to invest. And he he was so accurate in predicting countries that pull your money out or do not invest here. And I had talked to him. He fascinated me by, he was kind of a slick guy, but I said, how did you, how do you make these projections? He said, I look at institutions and he listed all the, it could be political, could be security, could be financial, whatever. He said, if they're down to two viable institutions, I start warning my, my investors. If one of those begins to wobble, I tell them pull out. You know, you, you can't have, it, it, like, let's say the army becomes or the military becomes the one stable institution. Pretty soon that's going to be dominant. That's going to be bad. You're going to have an authoritarian government to take over the government, whatever. And, you know, they're going to have problems with human rights and everything else. Uh, it's just South America. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the South America operates on a sine wave. You know, the, the, the people get into the streets are all pissed off. They throw out the authoritarian government. They bring in a socialist government, bunch of, uh, you know, liberals and socialists. It, it, they end up going like Venezuela or, you know, one of the, like Chile or Argentina. Then pretty soon some general comes in and takes them out right wing. And, you know, he changes everything. Looks like it's going great. People get tired of him. They're back in the streets. They throw him out. Socialist comes in. And so you're seeing this back and forth. Chile's going through it now. Argentina, mm-hmm. you know, Venezuela is going to go through it. A per, uh, Peru just threw out there. Right. I mean, that's South America. Yeah. So where does I mean in terms of in terms of Mexico, since it is on our border, how how active should we be and the United States should be in terms of trying to assist Mexico in becoming stable? Well, I think it's in our interest to assist them in becoming stable. Uh, their stability is in our interest because it, it it influences our security. It, it also is a buffer you know, in many ways. So we should provide incentives in some ways to to be more of a buffer. Uh, it's going to be interesting if a Democrat wins this next election, what they're going to, what that Democrat's going to do about immigration. I mean, basically, they've condemned control of any sort. Are they going to have no control? Maintain the same control they criticize in this administration? I mean, what are they going to do? Uh, they could have trapped themselves you know, uh, one of the companies I'm on the board of has a, like a satellite company, sporting company that provides medical support and facilities, you know, around the world. They could do it for military bases and do it. Well, they, they got a contract from Homeland Security to provide a secure place to process unaccompanied kids coming across the border. Okay. So, when when the when the border patrol picks up, let's say a thirteen year old girl, what do you do? A lot of these have been raped, and I mean it's horrible. See, well, the facility actually the, this contract facility actually operated in the Obama administration. So in the Bush, I mean in the Trump administration, they won the contract. They set it up. What they do is when the kid comes into them, the first thing they do is they provide a counselor. Because they got, they want to try and find a relative that they've got to vet and put them through, if not a foster home. In the meantime, they give them complete medical care, you know, vaccinations for the first time, dental care, all new clothes, 
while they're housed being processed to try to find a family or get them in the forced foster care, they're given classes in English on how to use computers and all this stuff. Uh, they have religious people come in, you know, ministers, priests. A lot of them are evangelicals. I'm surprised at And they're not all Latinos. I mean, a lot of them have made their way through from Eastern Europe or Far East or whatever. And normally within a couple of months, they get processed, sometimes shorter, more often shorter. The Democrats attacked us on that, you know, that this is inhumane and all this other stuff. What are you going to do with those unaccompanied kids? And it was the same one the Obama administration used. Hmm. So they want to shut them down. But what are you going to do with an unaccompanied 14-year-old that comes across the border? And first of all, some of these kids come and they'll tell you, well, I got to go see Uncle, you know, Jose. Uncle Jose may be a, a sex trafficker, you know, or, or he's not really an uncle. He's like a, a, a fourth cousin. He's just a name. And you're going to go up into L.A. and be on your own. You know, you have a responsibility. If he's not a relative, uh, you can't just turn him over on, on, on what the kid says. You've got mm-hmm. to vet it and make sure. Uh, and, and then if they have nobody, what do you do? You've got to get them into foster care. And somebody's got to be willing to take them. When they hit 18, our law says you can't do anything with them. You just you got to put them out the door. I mean, it's ridiculous. And they attack, you know, the Democrats have attacked the facility who got the contract. The, the ministers that ministered to them in, in Homestead in Florida were so outraged by what the Democratic Congress uh, men and women were doing. They held a press conference saying, this is bullshit. Come in and see. You know, CNN came down and said there's no story here. They wouldn't even report it. And you have congressmen and women saying that they're, they're living in cages. They're not living. They're living in dorm rooms. I went down and toured the facility, you know, since I was on the board of the parent company. I wanted, <laughs> what is this place? I want to see it. And the people that down there to care for them, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're people from that community. Many of them are Latinos so, because you have to have, speak Spanish and, you know, and, uh, and some of the other odd languages that, uh, the counselors there, the kids, I talked to the kids. They were so grateful for everything. They, they, they remember their counselors. They draw pictures for them and everything. You know, I went into the classrooms with them and the Democrats condemn this and want to shut it all down. So if they win the election, go shut it all down. Then what? And you know, if I'm somebody down there, if I'm smart enough to see, and if I'm a coyote that's going to take across the border, if I see the Democrats get elected, I'd say, this is Katie bar the door. You know, what? I mean, I think Trump has handled this all wrong. He's demonized the the immigrants and, the, and those seeking asylum. He's created a, a, a you know some sort of uh, hatred for the people that shouldn't be part of all this. He's talked about a wall uh, physically, but you know uh, it, he didn't take a reasonable, rational approach to this. But. It is a problem. What are you going to do? I mean, you got, you, you're just going to unlock the doors and who knows what comes across. Are you MS-13 or are you just a kid that, you know, your parents said, go find a better life? Why do you think the Democrats are having this issue? Politics. It's all, it's all politics. I mean, you know, I intensely dislike this guy. And you could probably find a lot wrong with him if you really look. But... To, there are things that you have to say, this is a bigger problem than just it. He's handling it the wrong way, but it is a problem. Right. 
I mean, so how would you handle it? I, I have yet to hear a democratic response to that. I mean, what is it? You know, I, I'm hoping uh, if somebody like maybe Biden gets in, he's more moderate. They'll understand there has to be some degree of control down there. Now, maybe it's not a physical wall. Okay, I agree with that. You know, we ought to look at uh, where technology and other things come into play. Uh, you had mentioned that do, do we look at investing in South America and, and uh, Central America to make it less likely that people are going to want to emigrate. But, you know, we got to do something. Uh, I mean, it, it it's just overwhelming us down there. And the communities along the border are just beside themselves now. So what do you think is a greater danger, immigration or the, the drug cartels? Well, the drug cartels, I mean, obviously are a greater danger because the impact they have on our society and people that become addicted and use drugs, one, two, their criminal activity. So crime is, you know, you're just saying they're, they're going after avocados next and pretty soon it'll be mangoes or whatever the right. hell. But, they're, you know, they're, so crime tends to stretch out uh, and you, you got to get uh, – uh, so that becomes danger. I mean, the only problem the immigrants pose is uh, it's going to be tremendously expensive to care for them and to uh, get them the right kind of care and get them, you know, it's, it's going to be a drain on our resources uh, to be able to do that and, and, and accommodate them. And if it becomes so overwhelming, it, it's unfair to others that want to come in legally if you're controlling you know, numbers and that sort of thing. So it creates an imbalance for with legal immigration mm-hmm. and the resources you have toward uh, immigrants. Uh, so I mean, it it becomes a an issue. You want to do the right thing in a humanitarian sense, certainly, and you don't want this to become some sort of uh, racial issue, an issue where there's a backlash against people from that part of the world coming into our country, where there becomes this divide and. And hatred, you know, we got enough problems. Uh, Isn't that with what the president said? Uh, Mexicans are all criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which of course is not true. No, and, of course, and, uh, right. You know, what's interestingly enough, when you, you you look at the news and you look at everybody down there, you look at law enforcement, border patrol, they're all Hispanics. I mean, you know, they're, I mean, American, right. uh, Hispanic American. Uh, and I know from the centers of care down there, these were a lot of Latinos and Cuban Americans and others down there. Uh, so that, I mean, so that's what I mean about the, the, the manner in which he does this mm-hmm. means that people are going to take an adversarial position against him and everything he does with it, not understanding, put him aside and understand there's a real problem within this that you got to deal with. Right. It, it, it's not going to be, uh, easy. Even if, if the Democrats win, they have to make a choice. How are they going to handle this? So I'm curious with the with the drug cartels, is there any uh, parallel in in the 20th century that uh, with the drug the power of the drug cartels in Mexico? I mean, well, organized crime, yeah. <laughs> immigrants, yeah. Italian immigrants. You know, I mean, look, the the mafia, the Cosa Nostra, got imported with the with the immigration waves that came across. You know, you know, in in the early 1900s, you know, right at the turn of the century. They were called the Black Hand. I remember my mother and uh, grandmother. They preyed on the American, the Italian community within the Italian community. Then they got into organized crime and uh, and, and stretched out to everything we, you know we had. And uh, 
it took uh, a big investment in terms of law enforcement on a federal level to go after them and take down the organization. They've grown so big. So what happens with these drug cartels, you could see the same model. It, it could, you know, we had passed special laws like the RICO Act mm-hmm. and everything else. And uh, it was a blot on uh, the legal immigrants coming in from Italy that there were people like this that were in there and weren't recognized early on and not dealt with early on. So is that what has to happen in Mexico? So I mean, it's some sort of... Uh... Well, I, you know, the Mexicans need the ability to, to engage these cartels. Uh, I mean, the only ones that are effective are the uh, Mexican Marines. They're the guys you always see with the masks. You don't want to be identified. Their right. family's at risk. But they're the only ones that go after it. But the police are corrupt or they're intimidated, you know, or, or they're inept in many ways. So they have a big security problem. I mean, uh, at some point in time, they either deal with this or they lose their country and it becomes a, a narco state. Colombia had that problem for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's is a, somewhat better down there now. It's not perfect. So where does, uh, where does Canada fit? Robin Williams said, Canada is like a loft over a great party. <laughs> you know, to me, Canada is a bunch of nice people with a lot of space. Canadians are not warriors. I can tell you that. You know, uh, I went up there to talk to their war college. They were horrified because they actually talked about war. You know? But you gotta love Canadians. I mean, I—it's Australians and Canadians. Although Australians are fighters, right. I mean, but uh, you gotta love them because uh, they don't have a lot of problems. You know, because they're huge in terms of territory. They don't, they don't take on any real global responsibilities. Uh, they're not interested in having this huge military. They tend to be very liberal now. Even when they say they have a conservative government, it's nothing like how we see conservatives. You know, we have a, a, a common open border. We're very much alike in everything we do. So, I mean, it's, it's great to have them as a neighbor. okay that's all right that's good and they play great hockey (laughs) growing up my favorite team in new york wasn't the rangers it was the montreal canadians because i i remember canadians canadians that's right they were Guy Lafleur, larry robinson ken dryden i i I never knew how to skate but watching them it was beautiful you know, it was... Uh... You mean you don't watch the Broad Street Bullies? <laughs> that's what I grew up with. Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers, that's right. That's when they brought thuggery in, <laughs> into the game. You know? and, and the old story was, you know, you you, you went to a fight in a hockey game. Yeah, broke that's up. right. That's right. <laughs> I took Debbie to her first hockey game. And this is when the they had just formed the Washington Capitals. Okay. Uh, they were just brand new team. And they were playing the Bruins, you know, and the Bruins were, you know, they were dominant at that time. So we go, we had tickets right up against the glass. 
And of course, the guy's smashing in the glass, blood coming out of his mouth. Another guy smashed it. He was horrified. I went out here. My son and I, when we were in Tampa, I took him to it. This is again the Lightnings had just formed there. They were just a new team, and they were playing the Flyers. And first of all, in Tampa, there were more Philadelphia fans than there were Tampa fans. Right. You know, Philadelphia fans are obnoxious. <laughs> And he had gone to school in Temple, so he knew how the Philadelphia fans were and everything. And he was a big Eagles fan and all that. So we go to the game and, you know, the fans are, are just going crazy. The Flyers are beating the crap out of the Lightning. I mean, physically and everything. And the fans are going nuts. I mean, it's all Philly fans. <laughs> and he just shook his head and said, you know, everywhere you go, Philly, we wonder why Philly gets his reputation. So, uh, so I guess Mrs. Zinni didn't ask you to take her to another. No more <laughs> hockey games. Yeah. So certainly not going to sit right up against the glass. You know? That's funny. Thank you for joining us. Find us on Facebook at General Zinni APW and online at APKCG backslash APW. I'm Adam P. Kennedy, and this is America's Place in the World.